Mason. I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to welcome you guys. Hopefully you've already been welcomed several times, uh, but I uh, just want to officially say just welcome to Wellhouse and welcome to kind of the after Christmas moment where we kind of just take a, a breath and we figure out what's next. One of the things that we're going to be uh, really kind of focused on this next year, we're getting ready to enter our fifth year. Uh, I can't believe that it's already been four past, but we're getting ready to enter into our fifth year. And one of the things that we as a staff, as a leadership, are going to put a lot of focus on, and hopefully you've already begun to feel some of this shift and, and even the way that we communicate on Sunday mornings, but we're going to put a lot of focus on movement next year. We want to move. We want to move into a deeper relationship with God. We want to move into different curiosities and questions. We want to tackle uh, some things that maybe have been nagging us. And we want to tackle relationships. We want to tackle, uh, you know, some things that, again, that just maybe is keeping us uh, from taking that next step. And so we want to grow this next year. We don't want to just grow numerically, but we want to grow as a body. We want to grow as, as parents. We want to grow as coworkers. We want to grow as people uh, who are made in the image of Christ. And so all of that is going to focus then on some really uh, different kind of new things that we're going to be doing. So next week, I'm going to start a series, and we're going to go real basic. We're going to kind of go old school on this. Uh, we're just going to take a, a book of the Bible. It's actually a letter, and we're just going to kind of work through it. And so if you want to jump start on that, we're going to go to Ephesians, and we're going to spend uh, several weeks. We, I don't know. It may go eight weeks, ten weeks. We don't know. But we're just going to kind of work through Ephesians. And so be ready for that. All of that is going to be about discovering identity. It's going to be about belonging in this narrative, this story that God continues to author. It's going to be about what's next. What are these practical things? And Paul talks about all those things. In addition to that, we're going to offer you something else. Uh, starting January 14th, we're going to be offering a Tuesday night something. We're going to be doing this Facebook Live if you can't make it, but we're going to host this in the big room in our new offices, and Jim and Pam, uh, two of our shepherds, are going to kind of facilitate and, and just be a part of this, but we're going to do something called the Bible Project, where we're just going to begin to take chunks of the Bible. Uh, there's going to be a video section. There's going to be discussion, uh, but all of this is, again, pushing us and pointing us toward growing, toward moving, as Chris said, into a life that's more fully devoted to Jesus. And so a couple of opportunities, and then just be on the lookout. There's going to be things as the year goes, as the spring unfolds, that is going to be opportunities for you to take next steps, to take uh, those steps of action, steps of faith, steps of, of growth in your own personal life. So we're really, really excited about that, and uh, hopefully you'll join. I'll tell you all this again next week because we just have so many people traveling this week. So anyway, I hope you guys are excited. Are you ready for that? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to close down the thrill of hope today, and... Uh, I uh, promise I'll get you out in time for the Titans game, okay? Yeah. Normally I do have to rush, but not today. Father, this morning, will you just bless us in these next few minutes as we open up um, some of the, the little, what seems like minute details, but God continues to tell the story even after the glorious moment of the birth of Jesus. So God, I just pray this morning you would allow us to soak in something new, that you would allow us to, to have a moment of evaluation or reflection as we enter into the new year, that God, you would speak to each of us individually through the Spirit as only you can. So Father, I just pray again you expand us, that you move us, that you, you grow us, that you cause curiosities, you cause questions, you challenge us today, Lord, to be more like you than when we walked in these doors today. And Father, we are just so grateful that we get to gather in these spaces that you've called us into community, that we get to do this uh, as a body of people. And God, I pray uh, just a prayer of thanksgiving for this place called Wellhouse and this little community called Goodlettsville. And Father, if it's not too much to ask, we do pray that you make it possible for Marcus Mariota to play tonight. And we pray this through Jesus' name. Amen.
I don't know what your house looks like after Christmas. Uh, we hosted Christmas this year. And uh, so what that means is that, like, Lori's parents were up, and then my nephews were up, my, my family was up. And so, uh, and, and if you've been to my place, uh, it's not a very big place. We live in a condo, and but so we have all this kind of packed in. And so there was a moment when I looked around, and this is not an actual picture. I wish I had taken a picture, but my house looks something like this. Can anybody relate? This is the aftermath, right? I mean, you are just face down. You're exhausted, you're tired, there's stuff to clean up, it looks like a, a wrapping paper uh, factory has just exploded, and I looked around and I just, I just smiled, and I thought, what a glorious moment. In the midst of uh, young kids who have opened up everything and don't know what to play with because there's so much there, my mom and dad tried to up the ante this year. They decided it would be the perfect year to not only get a puppy for themselves, but to get a puppy for the nephews, for the grandsons. And so we have our two dogs. We have now these puppies that are like eight or nine weeks old, and they're trying to eat the wrapping paper. The other dogs are trying to eat them. And it's just this chaotic scene. It's just this this. A glorious scene of, of people who are just thrilled to be in the moment. They're just overjoyed. That was Tuesday. I woke up Wednesday morning and had a quick breakfast with my family before they left. And I waved them off as they drove out of the driveway. And I returned into the house that still kind of looked like that. And I sat there and I thought, now what? What's next? Do I start taking down the tree? And so I just sat on the couch and I reflected and, and there was a moment of almost like let down. Not because something negative had happened, but just this moment where you, you just kind of have this sense of emptiness where you go, now my mom says it's because I'm getting old and that's just what happens when you get older is that you, you have these moments where reflection, these deep moments of reflection leaves you kind of depressed. And, but it was this moment where I went, what do I do in the aftermath of what was such a big countdown the days, moments, minutes to Santa comes Christmas morning and it's just a full throttle. Everything is a fury, just going in a fury that day to that moment now where you go, now what? And that's what I want to tackle as we kind of close out, not just the series, but close out the year. Uh, it's this moment where you have to deal with, man, I'm emotionally charged but I'm also kind of left drained. It's that moment where you go, I'm physically tired, but I'm ready to go. I can't believe this is over. Now what? You know, there was some now what's. There was some aftermath that those who were major players in the story that we've spent all month talking about. We've kind of highlighted three major players. We've talked about the shepherds. We talked a little bit about the wise men. We talked about Mary and Joseph and what all that means. And so they too were left dealing with some aftermath. If you remember the shepherds. Their role was very simple. Imagine the moment where they're sitting and just kind of minding their business and suddenly the sky glowed with the glory of the Lord and, and they imagine the awe and the glory that they, they were left with as he made his announcement of the coming of Jesus. What an exhilarating moment this must have been for them. What a glorious moment. Then you get to the wise men. I mean, they had spent this time diligently searching and following a sign. If you remember, they followed the star. And so they traveled from the east to stand in the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, the one that they had been looking for. And upon arrival, they worship. They give him gifts to celebrate his coming because they knew what he was going to usher in. He was going to usher in 
peace and love and mercy and hope. What a glorious moment. And then Mary and Joseph, I mean, proud new parents wouldn't describe probably, or not fully describe. They have not just witnessed the miracle of childbirth, they've witnessed a miraculous birth. And so here they are, they're left with this moment. They have given birth to the Son of God, the one that was promised who would be born of a woman, but to save all of humankind. They, have, they must have sat there gleaming with joy, even in the midst of some less than ideal circumstances. What a glorious moment. But all of them are left with the question now, after the moment, now what? What do we do? What do we do in the aftermath of this moment when the angels are silent and the star has long since faded? Everyone is back to reality. You have the stable, the manger, the swaddling clothes. Those things are now just distant memories. What do they do? Well, we have a little glimpse of what they did. The shepherds, they returned to the hillside, but you know they would never be the same. They returned to their flocks, their quiet existence of solitude, but something would be different. Something would be changed in their life. And I like to imagine that there were nights where they sat around the campfire, the sheep had been nestled away into their pen, and they sat around the campfire and they told the story. Do you remember the moment? In fact, I think it was this part of the sky. And I was sitting here and you were there. You remember that moment when when the glory of the Lord showed up and the angelic voice shouted down. Do you remember that? And they would tell their kids, and I like to think generations down, they would tell their grandkids, you would not believe what my granddad experienced. and, 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 And what a moment, what a glorious moment. And here's the point of this is that generations would be shaped and molded by that glorious moment. It was that moment where when they would retell the story, it wasn't that they weren't, they, they were just retelling the story. They, would, they were telling the story in the fact that they were included in the story. What a changing moment. See, the encounter with God's glory left them changed. They would never be the same. In fact, look at what Luke writes about this moment. In, in Luke chapter 2, verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned. But look what they returned doing. Now, they weren't doing this when they left, when they were initially contacted, but they returned doing something different than when they were found. It says that they returned and what? Glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and witnessed and been a part of, right? For they were just as they had been told. Things changed in the aftermath of the glorious moment. And then you get to the Magi, the wise men, and perhaps of all the players, they probably best understood the magnitude of what had just happened. I mean, they had been seeking this. They had intensely, for for years, poured over ancient writings and scripture and diligently inquired until they found that which they were on the journey to begin with. But yet it says in Matthew, when they went to depart, something changed. They knew that they couldn't leave the same way that they came. So we get to Matthew chapter 2, and look what it says in verse 12. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country, but by another route. See, something changed. The glorious moment led 
to a change. The wise men returned home differently, not just the physical route, but they changed. There was a moment of intense trust that they had to step into. They trusted God's plan more than ever. And see, when God's glory is encountered, lives are never the same. And then we get to Mary and Joseph. I mean, can we even imagine what they must have been feeling? Can we imagine what is going through their minds in this festive, crazy, wild time? Mary will never forget the things that she experienced. In fact, it says that she would treasure those things in her heart. And I'm sure that there would be days when Mary would have these moments where the, in, the, the encounter from the angel and, and all of the, the, the whimsy and whirlwind that went with this would seem surreal. It would almost seem as if it was just a, I mean, it, it, I have to pinch myself, was that a real moment? I mean, it would be those days where it would seem nothing more than a dream. And I'm sure there were days on the streets when she would still run in and up against the obstacle of people not fully buying into the story. Yeah, she said that she was a virgin, but we all know what happened. So she's having to deal with some of those rumbles. There would be days where there would be whispers. And not to mention, she now has the responsibility of not just raising a child, but rearing the child of God, the son of God. Nothing would be the same. So here they are after this glorious moment, ready to go back home to begin this tedious task of raising a family and making a living. But in the aftermath, things change. God throws a curveball. God sends them on a detour. In fact, if you look just right after seeing that the wise men go a different route, look at verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Take the child, Jesus, and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. They just experienced this glorious moment where shepherds, common people, and where wise men, the nobles, had come and bowed in a stable at the trough that was holding their son. They had just opened up these glorious gifts. And then you get to the next morning. And God says, hey, I'm going to need you to go a different route. Something's changed. And look where he sends them. He sends them to Egypt. And you go, <laughs> Egypt? If you know anything about kind of the history of Israel, you know that this is not an ideal place. This was a land of bondage. This was a land that represented intense pain of a nation. And all of that would come flooding back in. And then in the present, the current, it represented everything that was pagan, everything that was sinful. And we look at this and go, why would they be told to go there? Why would God pick there? Why? I mean, where are the angels now? I mean, wh where's the glory that they had just experienced? There's absolutely no glory in having to go to that place and bring up all that painful history, but also step into some very sketchy current circumstances there as well. And I think it's this moment where they go, welcome to life after the glorious moment. Welcome to the aftermath where everything changes. And here's the point. Here's where I want us to go this morning. 
See, the Christmas story isn't just a one-night, momentary encounter that is meant to be experienced and boxed back up and put in the attic. It's meant to not just heal our past, but shape our futures. It changes everything. It changed the shepherds. It changed not just the physical route, but it changed the level of trust that the wise men had in the whole process, in the, in the, in the searching and the discovering what they had been looking for. And it changed Mary and Joseph. It changes everything. And so here I am. I'm left, not just on last Wednesday, but now I'm left on December 30th. And I ask myself, what does all this mean to me? Where do I go from here? What do I do next? I mean, we just had this great moment. But what do I do? And, and maybe it's this moment where you go, what do I do and where do I go in light of the Christmas story? And I just want to give you a couple things this morning. And then we're going to send us into the new year. First is this. In the aftermath, I want to encourage you to put down, let down. You know, the glory of Christmas, just a few days in our past, but it's already becoming a fading memory. There are details that were so important the day of that I'd have to think hard about to even remember. I was talking with someone this morning. I took out an envelope to distribute some stuff that I had, and I couldn't even remember my own notes. And that's the way life works. It becomes this distant memory. And, and, and like a lot of great moments in life, when enough time passes, there's just a sense of letdown when it's all said and done. Now, I don't want you to think that letdown is always a negative thing. Sometimes there's this letdown that comes when we reach the peak of things. And again, for Christmas, we've been counting it down, right? I, we had a little Advent calendar, and I loved it because every time you'd open the door, there was a chocolate there, and I'd been counting these things down. Three, two, one, let's wake up, let's do this. And, and it's that moment where we have reached that moment. It's not necessarily a bad thing or a negative thing. It's, it's we've achieved it, we've arrived at it, we have opened up all there is to open, and now there, there's letdown that comes. And I want to encourage you to put that down. I want you to encourage that it's not the end of the story, it's the beginning of story. That the, Even though there's a void now to fill, that there's an emotional emptiness that comes from being all amped up, there's still this moment that we have to stop and wrestle in the aftermath of what do we do now that we are kind of in this letdown mode. Now for some of us, like Chris said, we are in a letdown mode because life just stinks. For some of us, we're let down because we didn't reach the desired goal. We didn't reach. We didn't experience what we hoped for. And with that, there's all these things that come. Sometimes there's a loss of direction. Like, that was such a bad experience. That was such a poor experience. That was not what I expected. Now I don't even know where to go. There's a sense of loss of direction. And what do I do from here? There's a questioning. And I'm sure it's the same kinds of questions that Mary and Joseph had. I mean, where do I go from here? What am I doing here? How did I get here? What, how long will I be here? It's the it's Egypt experience. So now we're let down because we're in this moment where seemingly God has thrown us a curveball. And we go, how did I get here? What do I do here? What, how long am I going to? What do I do? And I just want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, will you consider a couple things? I don't know. Why Mary and Joseph was sent there. You know, we're not told what happens while they're there. We're not privy to the whys of the situation. But I know this. It was for good reason. And what it came down to was, do we trust 
Do we trust that God, even in these moments? You know, there's a lot, there's several speculations as to why Mary and Joseph ended up there. And I think they're all uh, worth considering for us. I mean, maybe it was because they were trying to get Jesus out of the public eye. And can I just tell you, maybe you're experiencing an Egypt moment because there's some sort of provided protection that's going to be in that for you. You may not see it that way. I don't know if, if it was just to squash the rumors that were circulating about the virgin birth, and maybe, again, God is protecting you from something in this moment that seems horrific, less than desirable. I think the better is this. I think that maybe it was an opportunity to get Mary and Joseph out of the chaos so that they could just have a moment to gain perspective, to reflect and focus and get ready for what is next. And for some of you, you may feel like you're stepping into an Egypt that you have been sent by, uh, back home by a different route than what you came and where you want to go. But maybe in that, there's a moment where God says, listen, you need to take a moment to reflect, to focus, to gain some perspective, and let's get ready for what's next. And I don't know exactly the reason, but I know this. I'm sure that God was in the midst of it and that it was all part of God's plan. And a lot of us have experienced these great moments in God and with God, those moments where you have been on the mountain peaks. You have been on the mountaintop with Jesus and you have seen things and the Spirit has worked in your life in, in, in magnificent ways and the Word has just spoken to you and it has impacted your life. Moments where you have received without a doubt definite direction from God on your life and you have been used in mighty ways and powerful ways but the glory of those times and those dreams seem like a distant memory. It feels as if you have been sent to Egypt. You feel, I am now back in the land of bondage. You don't see God's plan in this. You don't ever see these things coming to reality. You're living in the aftermath. And can I encourage you as you enter into the new year, in the aftermath, to put down, let down, and trust God in these moments. In the moments where you're like, I'm ready for what's next, but I don't know what it is, trust God. In the moments where you're going, God, this is not what I wanted to encounter after the glorious moment. Trust God in these moments. You know, the truth is, we never live life fully at the mountaintop. You think about it. We don't live life. We live life somewhere in between the hillsides and the valleys. The truth is, we don't always get to stay there. There are times we're going to go through some things. There are going to be moments where we go through these valleys, and those valleys are going to be struggle and confusion and frustration and restlessness. And, and there's going to be this sense of indecision and loss of focus. But I'm going to tell you that God always has a plan, and he never plans on leaving us in those places. What I have learned in my own life is this. If anything, and we see this unfold if you follow the rest of the story, Jesus doesn't stay in Egypt. He returns. And we see that, that that's just a moment where God uses that to open up this entire ministry that's going to change the world. And what I've, I've noticed in my own life is that he uses those moments in the valley to lead us to our next glory, to the next glorious moment. I don't live on the mountain peak, but somewhere down here I'm being shaped and molded and led. I'm being prepared to get to the next glorious moment. And while I, I can't live... On the glorious moments, what I can do is I can begin to allow him to lead me in those moments where I, I get to step into greater glory. 
I get to step into greater service. I get to step into to a stronger sense of purpose. I get to step into larger influence on the next glorious moment than I had at the previous. I get to step into a different and deeper relationship with him. And I just want to encourage you. And I want you to understand that the past glories, the past glorious moments is not all that you'll ever see. There are more. There, there is, there's more to come and God has a greater plan. And God is going to continue to lead even through those moments. I'm going to give you another encouragement concerning putting down letdown. In the aftermath, there's always a moment and a time of reflection, of regrouping. You know, maybe that's why the new year comes so quickly after Christmas. It's that moment where you, you just have a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It's a time where you get to reflect on what I have been and what I want to change and where I want to go. And, and, and we start all sorts of things to what improve our quality of life, to improve our relationships, to improve my work habits, to improve my diet, all these things. It's that moment where we get to regroup and we get to evaluate. And can I tell you, that's always, always, always consistent in the story of scriptures. We begin to look at spiritual giants, people that we think, man, had it all together and God was doing something amazing. Every time they experienced a glorious moment, and before they experienced their next glorious moment, there was always this moment in between where they had to regroup, reevaluate, make some changes, and trust God. You know, Noah, after the flood, this glorious moment, if you read, Noah was found offering sacrifices and doing what? Regrouping. One of my favorite stories is a story about a guy named Elijah who uh, has this glorious moment where he gets to show up all the prophets of Baal and he just consumes, God in this magnificent way consumes this altar and it's a, it's a fascinating, awesome story. But you know in the moments after that, he's chased down because they want to kill him. He's found in a cave and in that moment, God comes in the still and the quiet and he says, be still, regroup, refocus. There's another moment of glory. And we continue to read about Elijah. What we see is that there is the next moment of glory. I think of guys like Peter. Peter, who is Jesus, one of Jesus' right-hand guys, has this moment in, in Pentecost where it's kind of the beginning of, of, of church, the movement. And he preaches this great lesson. Thousands of people respond and they, they, they say, okay, we, we're in, like we want to know more, we want to believe, and he has this glorious moment. And if you read after that, you know where Peter is found? Nestled away in an upper room trying to get to his next prayer meeting because he knows that hard times are coming, but he also knows there's more glorious moments to, to experience. I think of Paul who wrote the letter we're going to step into next week and wrote a lot of the New Testament. He has this glorious moment on the road of Damascus where he encounters the glory of God. He encounters Jesus. It not just changes his life, it changes his name from Saul to Paul. And in the moments after, you know where he's found? He's found in the stillness and the quietness of a back room being tutored by the Holy Spirit. A moment of regrouping and reflecting. And all of this... And all of what you're going to experience in this moment where you feel let down, and I'm going, I'm trying to put it out, I, I don't want it. It's going to be a moment where all of the reflection is with purpose for a purpose. See, the valleys, that's where growth and ministry takes place. 
Every single person that is used in a magnificent way by God experiences these valleys, but they grow out of these valleys and they minister more coming out of those valleys. We don't minister from the mountaintops. We minister in reality, these everyday moments, life where we receive direction. So in the aftermath, I just want to encourage you to put down, let down, and I want you to do this. I want you to pick up purpose. In the new year, it's a perfect time. That's why we're going to start out of the gate in Ephesians. That's why we're going to start out of the gate offering the Bible project. That's why we're going to start out of the gate serving more in this community than we've ever served. We're going to step into our purpose. See, I've got to go back and remember week one when we talked about Mary's song. We said that it wasn't just the birth of Jesus. It was how he came, but it was also what he was bringing with him. If you remember Mary's song, she says that with him comes what? It comes these moments where the oppressed will be set free, where he's going to usher in with him humility. He's going to usher in with him love of mankind. He's going to usher in with him these massive changes. And what I figured out is this, is that after Christmas, that's when the work begins. Not work like you got to go back to work, but work doing the work of, of what Jesus came to do and, 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 and the work that comes when we are transformed into him. See, the space in between that, it's preparation ground for something, for something greater, for you to grow into your purpose. Howard Thurman says this. He titled a, a short poem, The Work of Christmas, that I just want to kind of read to you and, and let this kind of soak in. That in the moments after the glory is experienced, that's when the fun begins. That's when, when God is going to use us to take us from this moment that we've experienced to begin to inject himself into our world using us through our influence and through our service. And listen what he says. He says that when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes have returned back home, and when the shepherds are back with their flock, the magnificent, joyous work of Christmas begins. And that work is to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, and to make music in our hearts. And I sat on that Wednesday, and I said, I'm so thankful for the glorious moment. But God, I'm excited about what it is you're going to do next. And I want to take what I have experienced in the moment of Christmas, and I want to infuse that, I want to weave that into who I am in the days, and the months, and the year after Christmas. And so God, I'm ready. I'm going to put down the letdown, whether it's a positive or a negative. I'm going to trust you. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be exhilarating because I know that in that I'm going to encounter lost people. And in that I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of healing the broken. I'm going to be a part of feeding the hungry. I'm going to be a part of releasing those who are not just prisoner behind bars, but prisoner to addiction and prisoner to things that, that are of the mind. I'm going to be a part of that, God. I'm going to be a part of rebuilding a nation. It has nothing to do with what happens in our capital. It has to do with what happens on the throne of our hearts. 
And I'm going to step into bringing peace among brothers. And, and God, I'm going to make music in my heart. And so I'm thankful for the aftermath. I'm thankful that I get to lay in a pile of wrapping paper and go, God, I'm ready. Let's do this. And so as we land this morning, I just want to ask, how will you allow the glory of Christmas to change you? How will you, in this aftermath where I don't know what exactly you might be feeling, but how will you allow it to change you to the point that you begin to seek opportunities to create change around you? And then let's step into 2019. And let's collectively as a community begin to move. Move ourselves into a deeper relationship with God, but move into our community and into the places that, let's be honest, not a lot of people are interested in moving into. And let's begin to say, listen, Christmas is over. But the story of a Savior has never died. And we're going to continue to live into the glorious moment. And we're going to trust God till the next one. We're going to move into a time of communion, and if you're kind of new here, we do this every week because it represents such a, a precious thing to us, and it's not a, a legal thing where we go, if we don't, you know, God's going to somehow zap us this afternoon. It, it's, it's about community. It's about experiencing life together, and, and around the table, there are going to be people who are in really good places in life, and there's going to be somebody who's really struggling. Probably won't let you know. Maybe won't let you know. Maybe they will let you know, but there's going to be somebody who it feels like they're in an Egypt. There's going to be somebody that just came out of an Egypt. There's going to be people who are questioning all sorts of things. And, and, and that's by design. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to create a table. And I'm going to host and I'm going to allow people to come around that table to, A, remember me. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember not just the birth. I want you to remember my ministry. I want you to remember my death. I want you to remember my resurrection. I want you to remember that I am at work for you and in you and, and with you. I want you to remember those things. But it's also a table of connection. It's a table that it doesn't matter where we come from, what we've done, who we are, that we connect through what lies on that table. That on that table there's a representation of his body and, and his blood. And don't be weirded out by that. It's grape juice. But it's that moment where we get to say, you know, Jesus, because of what you did, I get to connect to this awesome community of people that helps me in the valleys between the moments of glory. And God, I get to experience and we get to achieve so much more because of what you did and how you've called us into this family. And so we're going to celebrate that this morning. So here's kind of the way it works. You just kind of find a table around the room, and, and you can go with friends or family. You can spend time in prayer. You can maybe talk about the glory of your week. And, or you may just want to sit. You may not want to participate, and that's fine. It's not, not a must. We're going to continue to play. And maybe you just want to sit and reflect and regroup and just spend a moment. Just you and God this morning. So you're encouraged to do all those things. I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray for us and then you're dismissed. Father, as we go into these tables that you are hosting today, God, it is a representation of a glorious moment. And I pray that what every person that gathers around these tables experience is a glorious moment. Not a glorious moment because everything is perfect and everything's good and there's a lot of struggle. There's something they're looking forward to. There's something they're not looking forward to. But God, it's a glorious moment because you are at these tables. You're residing. You're hosting these tables. And what is on these tables represents a glorious moment. 